0: Aguero!
1: I swear you'll never
0: see anything like this ever again. Lewandowski goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an
1: amazing goal. I think he scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to a midweek 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and with me as always is a man who to me is like red cards are to Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, three in the last five games. Terrible. Lewis.
0: That's right, guys. We are back with some action midweek, and we're going to start off with the Bundesliga, where we're going to have a look at where Frankfurt were and where they have gotten to in the last two years. We're also going to have a look at one of the most prolific strikers of all time scoring when he wants, where he wants and breaking a new record as well as looking at a team who still have remained unbeaten in the Bundesliga. Then we're going to move over to the Premier League where we're going to see a vintage Mourinho as well as how much do the injuries really mean to Liverpool, and then jump to the rise of Saints and then have a look at Kai Havertz. What are we going to do with him? But without further ado, let's get into it. Do you want to start with Premier League or Bundesliga, Billy?
1: We'll start with Bundesliga. I think we'll we'll start with that because there were some interesting stories there midweek.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I think the first one... We'll just we'll just start off with the most interesting game of the midweek match day, which was definitely Frankfurt versus Mönchengladbach, because I mean Gladbach managed to score three two in the eighty sixth and the three three to tie it up in the ninetieth plus five.
1: Yeah, Lars Stindl sealed his hat trick ninety plus five.
0: What a guy! Go- I mean, it's his first hat trick in his career. <laughs>
1: Frank, I think Frankfurt, you'd be absolutely, you'd be sick with that. Oh, fuming. That's two points absolutely thrown away.
0: And it's two points they need because with with those two points, they would have at least been ninth. At least.
1: Yeah, they would have gone above Augsburg.
0: Granted, it's not that much, but they would have been a lot further away from, you know, the... Like the the foothills, so to speak of the, the of relegation because right now sitting at 14 points, it's only three points to 14th, and then arguably sitting on 14th place you're very already way too close to, uh, for comfort to the relegation spots
1: It's interesting though because they started that game, Frankfurt started that game so ridiculously quickly
0: Oh yeah, it was right off the bat. I mean, they started the game quickly, but it was Gladbach who scored first, to be fair. They were going yeah. back and forth.
1: Yeah. And I think I said it a couple of weeks ago about players finding like a home, like somewhere they just instantly fit in. And I think after a few a few rough years, I think Andre, Sil- Andre Silva's finally found somewhere he fits in because it didn't really work out at Milan didn't really work out at Sevilla but I think at Frankfurt he's found his he's found his, oh, yeah. he's found his feet
0: I mean 9 goals so far in the Bundesliga so maybe that would yeah exactly. he had a great season exactly.
1: on loan he had a great season on loan last year scored 12 goals and yeah. he's already on course to probably beat that by christmas
0: yeah, I mean if he keeps going like this, he scored the penalty and then uh the second goal. And I mean, you have to give credit to Frankfurt as well because they went to or they went up 3-1 in the span of 10 minutes. I mean, 21st minute the penalty and 32nd minute
1: 3-1. Yeah, it was just it was everything clicked for like 10 minutes. It was just sort of like some weird fever dream for Gladbach. Like they were being beaten to second balls and Frankfurt seemed like almost like a yard quicker for like 10 minutes. It was just ridiculous.
0: Funnily enough, the 3 1 scored by Eamon Barkov, who he was more or less you know, in the, in, on the sidelines when it came to Adi Hutta's planning for the squad at the beginning of the 2019 2020 season because he played with uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf. And he was on loan there. And everyone was sort of like, mm, is he really going to make it at Frankfurt? No, I don't think so. And many, I think very rarely did someone actually say, Bakok, he's someone who, you know, he's got the stuff for Frankfurt. Because even with Fortuna, he wasn't a regular starter. And now all of a sudden he's banging in goals. And he's giving Adi Huta every excuse to put him in that starting 11.
1: Yeah, it's the right kind of headache you'd want because he he got a goal and an assist. Which for a, a player who might be classed as a fringe player, I think that can only go in his favour for getting picked at the weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: I think the game kind of changed after Abraham got sent off. Obviously
0: he, it's gonna anything's anything like that's going to going to, you know, lead to Change in the dynamic especially when it's you know your center back who is the talisman who also incidentally is ending his career mid-season
1: he's ending his career
0: yeah that's a big thing because he was supposed to end his career in the summer and then with covid he was basically saying you know i'm not going to leave the club that um has been my home for the last five years in middle of such a harsh pandemic when you know they're going to need every man they can get but he's now basically said you know you guys have sorted it out and covid's kind of under control at least from a footballing standpoint and um he just wants to go back to argentina to the rest of his family so yeah he's ending his career uh in january
1: i mean fair enough i mean fair fair play for sticking on for the for the extra half a season, a lot of players would have just gone, nah, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. out. But you mentioned how far they've come. But it was that season they had with Kostic, Jovic, Haller. And they went on that ridiculous run in the Europa League as well. Yeah, and by.
0: also Ante Rebic, who yeah, it was basically that they kind of piggybacked off the success of winning the winning the day of when you know they they defied basically all odds and beat Bayern München in the in the final of 2018. You know, it was it was basically the there was a phrase that was not that was being printed on teachers because. It was a long ball that was played from Kevin Prince, Boateng, to Ante Rebic, and Ante Rebic apparently uh, called for the, uh, the ball, just hit it long, bro, <laughs> and uh, that was printed on t-shirts all over the place, <laughs> but that was kind of like the kickstarter for Frankfurt, and that was when everyone thought, okay, Frankfurt might actually become that, you know, that fifth fifth place team that you know is to be reckoned with in Germany might even you know every now and then make it to the Champions League and with their Europa League season you know making it to the semi-finals almost knocking out Chelsea and I mean when I say almost that they, they Chelsea only progressed on penalties that year they the loss of those front of that magic front three with jovic halea and um, and Rebić, they never really recovered because they've been kind of knocking around just below Europa League. If that makes sense, so like this, the the seventh, eighth, and ninth places, they just don't seem to really be able to get the consistency to find to, to cement that that form that they that they once achieved.
1: Do you think? Do you think there was any? aspect of greed in there like these players have just had an amazing season let's cash in on them now because they signed Jovic from Benfica and then immediately sold him to Real Madrid where it's just not happened for him Sebastian Sebastian Haller despite his overhead kick yesterday against Palace (laughs) you could probably argue it's not really worked out at West Ham I think the only one that's doing relatively well is Anti rabic and that's because Milan are top of the league. But I don't know how much involvement he's had in that.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. Um,
1: it's I'm not sure if it's
0: really greed, but it is just that fact of uh, how do you, how do you as a club, if those astronomical sums, I mean for Frankfurt 60 million for a player which is what they got for Jovic that's massive money and i'd argue that they still have invested reinvested that relatively well with buying Andre silva if they you know if you can argue the 60 million was it worth it i don't know but it is it is just that one of those fa- one of those things of in the Bundesliga, there is less money flying around than in the Premier League, and for many clubs, they don't get the opportunity to really improve financially and um, have that chance to financially also. You have a stable, or I'd say almost, you know, like like reserves, just to have those cash reserves. And I mean, I think during the pandemic, Frankfurt have definitely been happy with that. But it is just the fact of I think they wanted to build up the club financially because they thought you know the club is stable financially and is more than stable. You know you actually have a solid amount of cash lying around. Then the success will be easier to manage, and then uh, you know maybe with smart buys, you can solidify a team in a different fashion. So I'm not sure if it's really greed.
1: So uh, kind of let's go for long term rather than let's have these players for three or four years and potentially miss out on their peak. Yeah, yeah, I How think you? so.
0: I, th- I think so because because I wouldn't say Frank- Frankfurt is one of the teams who has probably managed best in the Bundesliga with uh, Freddy Bobic, their head of sport, um, their sporting director. And he's done an amazing job putting together the squad the last few years ever since he came from Stuttgart really. And, you know, you have to think of the f- uh, fact that Frankfurt were a team that got relegated a few years back. And I mean, I'm talking mid to uh, 2010s and it's it's really been an up and down last ten years for them, and now they're so, now they're definitely stable in the Bundesliga, so that it's not you know the fact of Ooh, we might be going down next season if we don't get a good squad together, which is what many people actually thought then right after they lost Rebic and Juvech and Hallea. So yeah, I think I think it was long term planning, which was the main thing that was happening then.
1: Okay, well we. Good to see them back near the Europa League places, potentially winning the DFB Pokal again. Do you yeah, want definitely. to talk Robert Lewandowski?
0: The man, the myth, the legend.
1: <laughs> Knocked up 251 yesterday.
0: It's an unreal achievement. And... I think one of the things that is still amazing to me is the is the fact that he's now on 15 Bundesliga goals in 12 matches, and you could almost say that he's kind of petered off a little bit in comparison to last season, because just Bayern have this have the crazy schedule. Well, I say Bayern have the crazy schedule. Everyone's got the crazy schedule, and Bayern have you know along with the rest of Europe taken to rotation a lot more. And even with this rotation and, you know, the odd game where he doesn't score, he still managed to bag 15 goals in 12 matches. And he hasn't even played all 12 12 of those matches, which is unreal. And I think you'd be very hard put to choose Ronaldo or or Messi over Lewandowski for the best footballer of the year, the FIFA the best awards tonight.
1: Oh, that's going to be... I think he will win it because I don't think you can ignore how many goals he scored last year or last season. Oh, it's going to be such a fix if he doesn't. Because four years at Dortmund, he scored 74 and 131. And then six years at Bayern now, in 201 appearances, so 70 more appearances, he scored 103 more goals, Scott. 177 goals. Which is ridiculous.
0: Puts up stupid numbers. Well the I thing mean, is,
1: is he puts up these stupid numbers and the thing is she got him for free. <laughs> and that's ridiculous because you got okay, he was a he was a very good striker at Dortmund when you got him. But maybe it's that thing of being a better team with better players, but you got or Bayern got a player Approaching his prime for nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah, Which I mean is it is
1: ridiculous.
0: The fact that Dortmund did not manage to cash in anything for him is, I, it, it is just an oversight of, uh, on the management part, really. I, there's no other way you can describe that. How you, how you basically, let it come to that. You know to that to that point in time where you are in the last year of the player's contract and you haven't managed to extend the contract it's just beyond me you know even even though it is even though it's you know a fact of yeah he wants to leave you know at least extend the contract and see if you can extend the contract so you can get money you know for the, when you know he's going to probably leave but you can at least cash in something for him because arguably, they, Dortmund lost out on the opportunity to cash in for the best striker on this planet.
1: Oh, definitely, and arguably, they've only just replaced him, so it's taken them, yeah, like five, six years to replace him with Haaland. Because yeah, they had Paco Alcacer and. Well, some we other.
0: we said on this, we've said on this podcast that you know for, Alcacer and. Obamayang, it never really clicked in that sense. Like Obameyang, yeah, he was all well and good, but he then you know he of his prime years at Dortmund, Dortmund probably only got, you know, one out of the three. Definitely.
1: But I mean they knew in November twenty thirteen that he was going to Bayern. So that gives you most of the season to identify a replacement.
0: You would think.
1: I mean, yeah, they tried Aubameyang and it was good for, like you say, a season. And then he threw his toys out of the pram and shipped off to Arsenal.
0: I mean, I'd argue it even took him a little bit of time to get going at Dortmund. And then once he did get going, he had a solid season and it was basically like his second season where he really... I mean you have you have to still say he did manage to win the golden boot of the Bundesliga once.
1: Yeah, I mean that's not a bad thing, but how many times has Lewandowski done it? Like six or seven?
0: Not that many, but he's he's on the way, he's on his way to that.
1: I reckon he'll, he'll probably get it this year again. Yeah, I mean
0: I it's hard to say, it's hard to see someone else winning it especially because Haaland picked up that injury, and he basically kind of stagnated on ten. And Now Lewandowski's already on fifteen. If Lewandowski stays injury free, that being the uh, the big the big parameter that has to be that you know can't be changed is just the injuries. It's players who players need to stay injury free this season, and it's much harder to do. I mean. See example Highland.
1: Yeah, but for a little bit of comparison, so Lewandowski last night hit 250 and 251. Wayne Rooney, a man who I love, <laughs> hit 208 in the Premier League. Alan and Shearer he... got two sixty.
0: And he still holds the record for the Premier League, doesn't
1: he? Yep. And Lewandowski will surpass that in Bundesliga goals this season unless there's some catastrophic injury. Which is just insane.
0: It kind of blows for Lewandowski that, you know, he has to still contend with the fact that Bayern München had Gerd Müller, or the Bundesliga, moreover, had Gerd Müller, who scored 365 goals in the Bundesliga.
1: Yeah, I as much as as much as i like him i don't think he's going to get another 110 odd goals
0: yeah it it would take him scoring the way he has been the last season for another you know, like including this season another 3 to 4 straight seasons to surpass that and yeah as you said i doubt it
1: one thing you do have to say is Lewandowski's arguably scoring it in a harder league. Also,
0: without the with with the offside rule, Gedmirle did not have the offside rule. though oh well, that's
1: just cheating then, Like <laughs> You might as well take away 160 of those goals.
0: Ooh, don't go, don't, don't go stirring things up. Ooh, ooh, you're gonna start stirring things up for all the uh, all the all the old Bundesliga fans.
1: Well, let's move away from that before I get myself in trouble. And let's, exactly. Let's quickly touch on Leverkusen because we did last week as well.
0: We, we didn't want to repeat topics, but then after the fact that Leverkusen just swept Köln away 4-0, we found it hard to resist, especially because they are also the only team that is now unbeaten in the Bundesliga. And we thought... That was going to be Bayern München and not by Leverkusen at this point in time in the season.
1: It's ridiculous. I think well, this season's weird anyway. But the fact that yeah. Dortmund have already lost four, Bayern lost that horrible game. But there seems to be something happening. At Le- they they just seem to be clicking, and yeah, a player that I've picked out is. Is it Florian Wertz?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Ridiculous. He's so young and he's like four goals and two assists or something like that.
0: He's not even 18. And, you know, the the best thing was Lukas Podolski, who everyone knows is a man who has more ties to Cologne than the cathedral in Cologne itself. And he he tweeted yesterday after, you know, obviously, Koen getting slapped 4-0 is never, never fun when you are, you know, born in Koen. And he tweeted he just tweeted Wiltz with a facepalm emoji because Wiltz was actually a player who made it through the youth academy at Koen before oh, no. transferring to Leverkusen because he did not see a pr- uh, enough perspective for him to make it to the professional level at Köln.
1: Just to add insult though, to it?
0: injury. Oh yeah,
1: it's always the way. Oh god, it just but, doesn't help. But top of the league, they're second in overall goal difference, only behind Bayern, which I don't. It don't think it's a surprise to anyone that Bayern are top in
0: that. Funnily enough, they are they're only top in that because they just score so much because their defense. Sixth straight match, Bayern went down one nil in yesterday.
1: I mean, any normal team would be like, yeah, it's fine, we're still winning matches, but the great Bayern Munich, they, there has to be some sort of inquest.
0: I mean, the thing is one, they've got arguably the best manager in the world at the minute. Two, they've got the best goalkeeper of all time in there, and he's making unreal saves, which means any normal team actually would have conceded a whole lot more than they already have. I mean, 18 goals in 12 matches, arguably that is mid-to-bottom table performances. I mean, I'll I'll name you a couple of teams who who have less than 18 goals conceded, FC Augsburg <laughs> at ninth.
1: Yeah, and you say that. And Neuer can make all the saves he wants, but if there's a problem with your defence, your goalkeeper can only do so much.
0: Yeah, and I think, I, I think for one thing, the, the high line works in a normal season. In a season where you are getting one game after the other, you know, Bayern have had midweek games since September more or less i mean you just have to think you know six champions league matches and these champions league matches with the with the exception of the international break these champions league matches came in every week and now we've got the first the first week without champions league and we've got a midweek match uh, match in the bundesliga which i mean of course for us is great but you know i think just physically and mentally it is so taxing that you know, that high line is just proving to be very, very pro- problematic. I mean, Flick Flick still has still keeps his humour and says, uh, well, that's why Neuer's in goal, isn't it? So he can make those saves.
1: I still maintain you're gonna have a terrible time of it when he retires.
0: Bayern definitely will have the worst time finding a replacement for that. I mean but let's hope it's not,
1: Let's hope it's not a united level of of dread after Peter Schmeichel left and had Fabian Barthes, Tom Carroll not Tom Carroll Roy Carroll oh god
0: i mean arguably B- Bayern already did have that this kind of uh of a meltdown on the goalkeeper position after Oliver Kahn left in 2008 cuz you know until Neuer came in two, uh, 2011 we had three different goalkeepers all of which were kind of either not cutting it or like Hans-Jörg were the kind of panic last-minute decision. You know, better than nothing.
1: Well, let's leave Germany and move over to the Premier League. And this week we asked what you wanted to hear. And I've avoided talking about this for as long as I can. Let's talk uh. Southampton
0: who thought southampton was going to be on the third place after match day 12 or was it 13 sorry my match days mixed up match
1: day 13 yeah who
0: thought who would have thought who would have thought it's like that meme that paul Rudd meme
1: it's like hey look at us
0: <laughs> look at us who would have thought we would have been here not me <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: I First off, fair play.
0: Uh, fair. No one saw them doing
1: that. <laughs> They're actually really enjoyable to watch as well. And it's not like boring, crap football. I think Ralph Hassan, was finally got like the, the team playing the way he wants.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was not having a fun time of it at the beginning, was he? You know,
1: well, he was... It was ever since they it got was slapped a
0: relegation.
1: Yeah, it was ever since they got slapped nine nil by Leicester. Since then something's just sort of like, like maybe the penny dropped after that.
0: <laughs> I think I think the penny had to drop after that. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, you say that. I think if they went out and continued to perform as badly, I think all of them would have been sacked, not just the manager.
0: Yeah, and Ha de- I mean, the fact that Hasenhutter didn't didn't get kicked out right after that match is already, I think a lot of credit is due to Southampton's management that they didn't just kick him right out the door. I mean, the patience you have to have after getting slapped, 9-0. Well,
1: that's the thing. The manager before, or one of the... Pre, one of the yeah, the manager before, Mark Hughes, they went 2-0 up against United, and United come back and drew 2 all, And Mark Hughes got the sack. For a draw against Manchester United, that's
0: just harsh,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, I think results weren't <laughs> going their way anyway, but nor were Hassan results before they got slapped nine 0 by Leicester.
0: Yeah, I thought that was kind of the that would be the feather that breaks the camel's back, really.
1: But someone clearly saw something in Hassan style of play, management style. He did so well with
0: with Leipzig. I mean, you have to say that he was he was the one who got Leipzig, as a newly promoted team, got them into the top three their first season in the Bundesliga. I mean, that has to be commended.
1: I yeah, I think his record speaks for itself. And yeah. you look at the players that he had when he was at Leipzig. I think it's slowly starting to come to fruition with the players he's got at Southampton. So you've got Danny Ings and Shea Adams up front, which is becoming a really prosperous partnership. Similar, not on, not on the level of Kane and Son, but they seem to know where the other one is.
0: Yeah, definitely. They, got, they have the partnership that I think most teams in the Premier League wish they had up front.
1: Well, yeah, not, not a lot of teams play too up front.
0: So to Yeah, but with... I mean, arguably Spurs don't have, a, have, that, have that unreal partnership and Kane is the lone striker up front. So you could argue that doesn't really matter.
1: True. I think where it really pays off for Southampton is in their midfield. Mm. Because you've got Aurelio Romero, who is just that battering ram. You've got Stuart Armstrong, who's a willing runner, and then James Ward-Prowse just in the middle, pulling. To on whip the in
0: every set piece.
1: <laughs> he's got he's got a wand, of a of a right foot. His set pieces are actually ridiculous.
0: He must just sit there on the training or stand on, be at the training ground just every training session whipping in these free kicks for like two hours afterwards. There's no other way you get that good.
1: Well, here's the thing, Theo Walcott. I think it might have been Monday. He said it. He said he's better at free kicks than David Beckham. I was like, oh, that's a very bold Ooh. shout, Theo.
0: Ooh, I, I don't know about that one, Chief.
1: <laughs> I'm hard pressed to. I'm hard pressed to disagree. I mean, I do. I do disagree. But Ward Prowse is probably the closest. I've seen to David Beckham's free kicks,
0: so we'll, we'll, we'll hold that as the as the takeaway from this episode.
1: Well, there we go. So David Beckham has eighteen goals from free kicks in the Premier League, right? yeah. And James Ward-Prowse, he's just been added to the top to the top list. He's got eight.
0: You could get there before his career's over.
1: You know, he's still relatively young, but. It, the free they're so it's not just his free kicks it's his corners and his crosses as well they're,
0: they're so vicious. lethal it's i think ridiculous. that's what one of southampton's strengths is really just having that set piece wizard to you know even if a game even if a match is, is going horribly wrong for them and they you know they're down 2-0 they always know that you know the set piece wizard can change a game with one ball that is that is played from a like one dead ball and they know they might even be back in it. You know, it's 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 a, it's a such an unreal weapon to have. You know, and when you compare that to a team like Aminia Bielefeld in the Bundesliga, who still have yet to score from a set piece this season. Such a weapon to have. Such a weapon.
1: I think the last thing that probably sets Southampton apart and has sort of elevated them is the high press that they do. I think that's like it's it's almost
0: becoming a fashion nowadays, you know. With Klopp, Klopp arguably started it with uh, with Dortmund, and then once he perfected it at Liverpool, it was uh, It, it kind of became the fashion, you know. Now Bayern won the Champions League title playing the high press as well. High pressure seems to work, though, doesn't it? Because no matter how you how you train. It is unbelievably hard to work your way out of a high press unless you have the players for it and, you know, the technical ability.
1: It's so hard to play against because you don't get any time. You don't get – there's just no breathing room.
0: No, there isn't. You
1: can't compose yourself and pick a pass. You've just got to do it. You've got to know where players are. And not every player can not look up and ping a ball 30 yards.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you want to move on to Vintage Mourinho? I would like to move on to Vintage Mourinho because who doesn't love Vintage Mourinho?
0: Come on, the Vintage Mourinho that jabbed a finger in the eye of a Barcelona assistant manager during El Clasico in 2012. (laughs) That's the Mourinho everyone wants to see.
1: (laughs) Well, he started with his pre-match press conference, didn't it? He basically, oh, yeah, really he basically, did. I mean, he basically listed all of Liverpool's players that weren't injured. And then said, <laughs> there's no injury crisis.
0: Alisson, not injured.
1: Well, he, he's got Mative, a point, though. That's injured. the thing.
0: Yeah, I, he Salah, not injured. Mane, no injury. Firmino, no injury. <laughs> oh, no. He, he just... Can't. You just couldn't. You just thought, you know, okay, he's 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 listed a fair few of the starting eleven. Now, how far is he going to go? And then he just he just keeps going with it. He just keeps rolling with it. You're just like, I, okay, buddy,
1: you do your thing. So if we if we discount the game because he wasn't very active. I mean, Liverpool won two one, and it was that horrible, useless player that I really don't like that scored the <laughs> winner. So, so he's just such a nothing player and he has to go and score. It's like, oh.
0: There's arguments to say that why he's in the starting 11 again. <laughs>
1: I'm not having that discussion today. But <laughs> it was afterwards. So M- Mourinho he said in his post, match oh, I, I said to Klopp, the better team lost, and he disagreed with me. But if I acted like he did on the touchline, it would be so different. It's, it's that. Bitter, like, I am the victim here. He's just not a good loser, is not he? I think that's just a football thing, though, because no one likes losing, do they? Okay, obviously no one likes losing, but there are some people who are gracious
0: in defeat, and there's just Mourinho.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. But this is the thing. I don't... This is the Mourinho that you want to see. You want to see him being almost like a petulant child. <laughs> because then he gets the best out of his teams it's when he doesn't do this it's when he he sits back in his chair in his press conference and just goes yeah well we lost that like, what do you want me to do
0: but i think the best thing is still his uh his presser where he goes i have won three premier league titles i love that i have more premier league titles and all the rest of the managers in the premier league combined respect man
1: respect respect see i both love and loathe that press conference because that was right <laughs> at the end before he got the sack uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: jeez he just was, he, he's just a character isn't he He's great. But, yeah. But and I think like- I think you're right. You're right with with sorry, but the, with the with the fact that you know you're saying as long as he acts for lack of a better word, like a dick, you know he's got the mentality, he's heads in the game and he's going to get the best out of the team he's managing.
1: Yeah, you want that arrogance. You want the arrogance. You want that level of arrogance, the I'm a special one arrogance. Yeah, you don't want you don't want him looking dishevelled and, for lack of a better word,
0: which he arguably also looked not only when towards the end of his tenure at United, but also towards the end of his tenure at Chelsea the second time around, and even I mean I I don't remember the first time around I was you know a tad too disinterested in the. Premier League at that time in my life but um, you know the first time, the second time around he definitely looked at Chelsea like you know a team it was like mm, how much how much does he really want to want to still manage this team
1: definitely it's just nice to have him back being Mourinho he's the he's at his best when he's almost a caricature of himself if that makes any sense. Yes, yes, definitely. So when he plays up to people's expectations of him, when he is a dick, (laughs) when he plays up to that, so when he goes, oh, well, you know, we were clearly the better team and I told Klopp we were the better team.
0: And I'm not sure how, how, how much you could really argue that Tottenham were the better team.
1: Well, I mean, Stephen Bergwijn hit the post and had another great opportunity, just skewed wide. But you've got to take your chances. and yeah, You just, have to take your chances, but still. We'll just lightly touch on Liverpool's injuries because I really don't think after that, there, there could be no complaints from Jurgen Klopp. I mean, you played Fabinho and Rhys Williams at centre-back.
0: And you against, still manage to play against, yeah.
1: Again, You know, against Kane and Son, who were the most prolific partnership this season in the Premier League.
0: I'd argue Mourinho's Tottenham are probably the closest Tottenham are going to get to winning a Premier League title slash any titles in the last five years. I know that's a bold shot because Pochettino got a very, very good Spurs team together and almost made it to, you know, to the top of Europe. But I think... Under Mourinho, Spurs probably have more of a chance of winning a title, any title, than they did under the uh, under Poch.
1: Yeah, I can't disagree with that. And the commentator said it on Amazon Prime yesterday. In in between the the sound cutting out because Amazon oh, Prime's lovely. great coverage.
0: This is why Sky Germany is better.
1: But the com it's like Spurs haven't won at Anfield in the last like twenty six visits or something like that. And you think having Fabinho and Rhys Williams at centre back would be the best opportunity? This supposed injury crisis at Liverpool would be the perfect Wait, time to stop that to end that.
0: Mourinho himself called it a a a hoax of an injury crisis. If in essence,
1: it is a hoax of an injury crisis. I mean, yeah, Van Dyke's injured, but Van Dyke is not not Liverpool FC.
0: I'd argue that you. Or I'd argue that you could uh, that that Liverpool definitely felt the injuries about a month ago more than they did now. Like Klopp saying what he did a month ago, sh- sure, all well and good. You can see how much you know those injuries mean. But at this point, they've had some of their players come back from injury and he's slowly figured out a way to compensate losing Van Dyke.
1: Yeah. It doesn't sit right with me when he just bitches and moans. I used to really like Jurgen Klopp. But, and people are like, oh yeah, but he's just enthusiastic for the game. He's not. On the touchline, he's an absolute cretin. And I know, it's like, oh, it's just passion. It's not passion. He looks like he's fit to burst with anger. And Pep I mean, Guardiola becoming the same. Him, either way. Well, Pep Guardiola is becoming the same. They're becoming these, like, sort of angry yobs. Yeah. <laughs> Like four minutes of added time at the Etihad, it's one all against West Brom, and Pep Guardiola stood in front of the fourth official with his head with his hands on his head, going, "You cannot be serious! How is it only four minutes?" It's like man, four minutes is a on. massive
0: amount of time.
1: Four minutes Damn. of added time can feel like an absolute age.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think West Brom were definitely thinking the same.
1: <laughs> I, I'm inclined Jesus. to agree with Mourinho when he says that if he acted like Klopp, he'd probably get a ban. But that's probably yeah. because he's got a previous. I
0: was about to say he's a, he's he's got some previous infractions <laughs> on yeah, his record.
1: Was, all those touchline fights with Arsene Wenger down the years.
0: Oh, I love I love those the beef. Oh, handbags. Like
1: he flicks his tie. When he came <laughs> back the second time, they just square off each other and just flicks his tie. Uh, Arsene Wenger couldn't
0: believe it. He couldn't believe it. One last topic before. We end though, and we talked about it a little bit last week during the during our analysis of Frankie's Fun Time Blues slash Not So Fun Time Blues, and that's Kai Havertz because someone crudely put together a highlight reel, if you will, of his performance against Wolves, and it just It wasn't so much a highlight reel as a reel depicting Hobbets as one of the worst midfielders in the Premier League. And then you sent me that tweet that was, the Bundesliga just packaged a Lingard and a, what was it? Who was the Uh, other one?
1: uh, The Bundesliga packaged a German Lingard and Dan James and sold it to the Premier League for 135 mil, which I think is unfair on Dan James.
0: Oh, okay, that's a little bit harsh. <laughs> I'd say it's unfair. I, I said I said to you, it's unfair on Timo Vanna because Timo Vanna, at least you okay, scored but... goals in name competitions in more than a, an FA Cup tie against Barnsley, as you have so clearly pointed out in previous episodes.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you can take the German the German goggles off for a sec.
0: Okay, sure. And...
1: Uh... So Kai Havertz's last Premier League goal involvement was against Southampton two months ago. Exactly two months ago today.
0: It doesn't really speak volumes, does it? And I think that, that at the end of the day, that highlight reel, that's not the kind of highlight reel you're expecting after three months of a player who is Chelsea's most expensive signing.
1: I keep saying it, and I can't understand why Lampard buys or bought these players and is going to play them in the wrong position.
0: Okay, that, that's one thing that's gonna, that, that, really, that really grinds my gears. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it is exactly that. It is you spend 60 million on Vienna and you don't play him at strike. You play him on the wing. You spend 80 million on Havetz and you play him at center mid in a duo or on the wing when he's a number 10. We said this last week. Play in three-five-two. Let Havertz play down through the middle at number ten, and have Vienna in a striking partnership with uh, Giroud, which he has done at Leipzig with Paulson already. Just it is just baffling to me how how no one, no journalist has literally asked Frank Lampard, do you think? That the that Havets and Vanna's underwhelming performances are down to the fact that you're playing them out of position. Just someone has to have the balls to ask him that. I right, please just next presser, knock that one out of the park.
1: Uh, if they let me in, I'll do it.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. If, be, be, sort yourself that press uh, that press pass out.
1: If Chelsea let me into the manager's Zoom call, I'll do the Lord's work, and I'll ask the, I'll ask the difficult questions. I'd be banned from so many grounds.
0: I mean not gonna For lie. Press conferences. You probably you probably, probably have the clammiest palms of anyone I know if you had if you were about to ask that question.
1: It's like um
0: Old excuse sweats.
1: me, Mr. <laughs> Lampard. <laughs> On paper, Kai Havertz is an attacking <laughs> fielder. <laughs> Why are you playing an eight? <laughs> I think that's got something to do with why people are so angry, though. Because it's not necessarily our generation, but the generation below us, Gen Y, the, or
0: is it Gen Z? I don't know. Gen Z. I one of them. Is it is it Gen Z? I whichever ones are like the one the ones who were born in the mid two thousands end up.
1: But they're so like, oh, yeah, but he's so good on FIFA. It's like, yeah, but that does not mean anything. It proper boils my piss. And it's like, oh, yeah, but he's amazing. Wait, who? Oh, there's this, uh, there's this Slovakian guy from the Chinese League. It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're on about Hamsik. It's like, yeah, do you know who he is? It's like, yes. I watched play him play for, for Napoli for like 10 <laughs> years. It's like, oh, but
0: also, little little anecdote, sorry, where you mentioned the Chinese Super League. They now are installing a cap or a salary cap of fifty-two k per week, which comes out to two point seven million a year for international players. So, have fun, Hulk.
1: Have I mean, fun, they just, Oscar. They've just killed their own league.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it? the, it's so it's going to be so unattractive now because no international player is going to go to the Chinese Super League. They're all going to go to the MLS where they're going to be one of the three players who are exempt from the salary cap.
1: It's terrible. But I, I, I want to talk in defense of Kai Havertz because I really... Last year, I really like came to like watching him play.
0: I still rate him as the player.
1: It'll be interesting because based on how he's playing at the moment, if you were Jürgen Lowe, would you pick him for Germany?
0: I think that's a hard question to ask because you're asking this of a manager who picks players like Robin Koch from Leeds United over Matt Homels and Jerome Boateng at centre-back. <laughs>
1: you really don't like your international manager? No, it's,
0: it's, here's the thing. I I respect the amount of work that Juve has done for the German national team and, you know, save for my German goggles. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't pick the players who are best in that position. It's almost like he's actively trying not to pick the best players in that position. Because in my eyes, a manager should be looking first and foremost at the performance on pitch. So basically the sports... Or or the sporting performance, and just should be looking at this from a sporting standpoint. And from a sporting standpoint, there is absolutely no reason why you would pick or why you wouldn't pick Jerome Boateng, for instance, taking his performance against Wolfsburg yesterday again. You know, unreal pass through two defensive lines to set up Lewandowski for a second goal, and his defensive performance as well. He was clear. He was clearing one ball after the other it's that kind of it, it's just that kind of baffling thing to me where you're where I'm sitting there thinking the german national team isn't i mean we've already been through this on this podcast so i'm not going to go go into it again so long story short no matter what how how crap kai havertz's performances are for chelsea he'll probably make it into the german national team because Löw, for some reason decides that the sporting talent is, or the or the on-pitch performance comes second.
1: Well, there we go. But I think for <laughs> the amount of money they spent, just last thing on Kai Haas before we finish, the amount of money they spent, you'd be expecting, you'd be expecting, I keep using the comparison because Two reasons. One, it's the only comparison I can really draw on. And two, it's you can't ignore the impact he's had. But the Bruno Fernandes impact, maybe not to that level, but you'd expect him to have similar impact.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because Br- Bruno Fernandes, remind me again, he's 24? 25. 25. Okay, so he's got two more. The only thing that speaks for Fernandes more than Haratz is the age, I think. because talent wise i'd argue that that kai havertz at a younger age produced you know more in the in the bundesliga in a harder league than bruno fernandes did when he was still at sporting at the same age kai havertz did if that makes sense
1: oh no god yeah. but i think it's that case of it's a similar thing to the jaden sancho issue this season it's world class potential not world class player, so they have the potential to be that good. Yeah, they have to reach it.
0: I'd also argue it's an even better comparison would be Joao Felix at uh, Atletico Madrid because he took a full season to really start blossoming, and every, and you know us two included, we were t- saying you know I don't get why they spent that much money, and I don't understand the hype around him. He's just not that good. And now he's, for lack of a better word, he's 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 making us eat our words because the performance he's the performances he's putting in, not bad.
1: Well, he's just won a Player of the Month, so maybe maybe it's going to take a full season for Havertz to settle down, get used to the country, the league.
0: Because he he said in an interview as well, you know the the Premier League. It's not necessarily better. It just is a tad faster. In in the in in style of play.
1: Yeah, you don't get the amount of time that I've seen some players get. Well, there we yeah, go. Yeah,
0: I I guess will I guess we'll have to we'll have to come back to the topic of Kai Havertz at the beginning of next season. When we'll then hopefully also be eating our words because... I hope not. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, we're criticizing Kai Havertz right now for his performances. So eating our words would mean that, you know, he's pulling out one unreal performance after the other, which yeah. I'd love to see.
1: And I really wouldn't like to see a player for Chelsea doing, doing well. <laughs> but that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs>
0: Don't forget to like, subscribe, share the 50 Plus One Football Podcast on all our socials and yours. And always drop us a cheeky follow. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.